and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Type podcast. My name is Alyssa Gothi, and I am your host, and I am so excited to bring this episode to you on November 14th, which is World Diabetes Day. My last episode talked all about National Diabetes Awareness Month and even included some information on World Diabetes Day. So if you'd like to learn more about what this day is, what this whole month of November truly represents, I would definitely go back and listen to that episode just to get a little more insight before we dive into a different research topic that I looked into for today's episode. This episode is another historic one for all you history buffs. And gearing up for it, I did a lot of research on the discovery of insulin as this year marks the 100-year anniversary of the first time insulin was administered to a patient and saved someone's life. World Diabetes Day, November 14th, at the time you're listening, is on this day because November 14th is also the birthday of Sir Frederick G. Banting, who is the prominent figure in the discovery and distribution of insulin. And so this whole episode is dedicated to how it was discovered, the team that brought it to the world, and the way that it's transformed and created this incredible trajectory of diabetic discoveries and breakthroughs for our community. So for all you history buffs, this one's for you. Let's get into it. I will link all of my resources that I used to find this information in the show notes so you can check them out yourself and learn even more about the discovery of insulin and the way that it works. Diabetes has been around for centuries. This disease is not new, but it's only been fairly recently that we have learned how to treat it and advance it even further. The etymology behind the term diabetes mellitus derives from an ancient Greek word, diabanon, sorry if I pronounce that incorrectly, meaning passing through, which is based on one of its most common symptoms, frequent urination. That turned into the Greek word diabetes, which meant to siphon, and the Latin word mellitus, meaning sweet. Although diabetes had been around for centuries, our first major breakthrough is in 1889 with German scientists Oskar Minkowski and Joseph von Mehring, who found that when pancreas glands were removed from dogs, they developed symptoms of diabetes and died soon after. That experiment proved to us that the pancreas was the root of diabetes and diabetes-related issues, knowing that the chemical we needed was being created and destroyed there. It was then in 1910, a few decades later, that Sir Edward Albert Sharpe Schaefer suggested that only one chemical in the pancreas called insulin was missing, and the term insulin was derived from the Latin word insula, which meant island, just like those islet cells that are within the pancreas that create insulin to help metabolize and break down the sugar in our bodies. That brings us to the 1920s, where we know that the islet cells or clusters of cells in the pancreas are being destroyed and that it's an autoimmune response wherein our body mistakenly attacks those cells in our pancreas, but we don't know why and we don't know how to treat it. Prior to the discovery of insulin, there wasn't much doctors could do for patients. Receiving a diabetes diagnosis was a death sentence. At best, you could get a few years, but you were not going to survive. The most effective treatment was putting patients on a very strict diet with very minimal carbohydrate intake. 
Some diets even went as far as having 450 calories per day, which led to patients dying of starvation before they could even go into a diabetic coma or diabetic ketoacidosis. This is where Dr. Banting comes into play. Since scientists knew the cause, they were steps closer to understanding or treating it. But there were failed attempts to extract insulin from the pancreas cells, and it was challenging to extract insulin without destroying the cells that made it. Sir Frederick Banting was a Canadian surgeon who was asked to give a lecture in the fall of 1920 on the pancreas and metabolism. Since he didn't know a whole lot on the topic, he was preparing for the lecture by reading extensively on the subject, looking at books, articles, journals, anything he could get his hands on. And on October 31st at 2 a.m., Banting awoke in the middle of the night after constantly thinking about the lecture he was giving and the articles, and he wrote down a 25-word hypothesis that would eventually lead to the discovery of insulin and an innovation that would change the world. His hypothesis was based on an article that suggested that insulin-producing cells were slower to deteriorate than other pancreatic tissue, which led him to believe that there was a way to remove insulin by breaking down the pancreas in a way that would just leave the cells that produced it intact. On November 7, 1920, Banting met with J.R.R. McLeod to develop a plan of action. By May 7, 1921, the experiment started. McLeod provided the labs for the experiment, and Charles Best, who was a research student who specialized in checking blood glucose levels, was called in to help. They started by trying to figure out how to remove insulin from a dog's pancreas by tying off the pancreatic duct to kill off other substances that would destroy insulin while leaving the islet cells intact. The remaining extract that they were able to save would be given to other dogs who couldn't produce insulin on their own. Some skeptics had said that the extract looked like thick brown muck, but that did not stop the team from continuing their research to ensure that people with diabetes could be treated. By November 10th of 1921, the first successful experiment was conducted where they successfully treated a dog with their insulin extract for 70 days. A month later, on December 12th, 1921, a new team member was added, James Collip, a biochemist who helped to purify the form of insulin extract they already had so it would be safe to test on humans, and that was developed from cattle pancreas. Going into the new year on January 11, 1922, a historic moment was performed. The first person with diabetes was treated with insulin. Leonard Thompson, a 14-year-old boy, was dying from diabetes. Within 24 hours of that first injection, his dangerously high blood sugar levels dropped, but he still had a high number of ketones and developed an abscess at the injection site. So Collip worked tirelessly to purify that extract even further and was able to give Leonard a second injection on January 23, 1922, with successful results. His blood sugar readings became near normal with no side effects, and he no longer was serving a death sentence. This was the moment that took less than two years to accomplish. And by May 3rd of 1922, the team presented their findings to the Association of American Physicians and introduced the discovery of insulin, where they received a standing ovation. By January 23rd of the next year, the team was granted patents on insulin and the method used to make it. 
They sold these patents to the University of Toronto for only $1 each. My favorite quote that was famously said by Banting was, Insulin does not belong to me, it belongs to the world. On October 15, 1923, insulin was mass-produced for the first time by Eli Lilly, which is still a massive manufacturer of insulin. Ten days later, on October 25th, the team was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine, not only for their discovery, but for something that changed the world and the path of so many people. In 1936, Novo Nordisk introduced the first slow-acting insulin, which many people to this day use in conjunction with their fast-acting insulin. For decades, insulin was derived from cattle and pig pancreases and used to save millions of lives for so many years. But the downside was that many patients were having allergic reactions, therefore they could not be treated with the insulin that was initially discovered in the 1920s. But in 1978, the first genetically engineered synthetic form of human insulin using E. coli bacteria was produced. And by 1982, Eli Lilly went on to commercially make this available with the biosynthetic human insulin called Humulin to ensure that everyone was able to use insulin to treat their diabetes if they needed. Now in 2022, we have seen the advancement of so many technologies and assistive therapies for diabetes, whether it is the insulin pens, the genetic makeup of insulin, insulin pumps, continuous glucose monitors that help us know how much insulin to take, and the artificial pancreas or closed-loop system that works as a pancreas outside of our body. It's incredible to think that in 100 years, we have accomplished so much that a hundred years ago, I would not survive this. And Dr. Banting's legacy lives on. He was knighted and now is Sir Frederick Banting. The Banting House is a museum in London, Ontario, Canada, which is known as the birthplace of insulin. In 1989, Queen Elizabeth kindled the flame of hope outside of his house, which is a monument that will continue to burn until the day a cure for diabetes is found. My family and I have actually recently talked about using our spring break to visit the Banting House and seeing the Flame of Hope. I first heard about it in The Human Trial, a documentary about the trials for a cure for diabetes. And it brought me to tears to see that monument and know that there was a landmark for something so significant in our community and in our world that people don't even know about. I'm hoping to one day visit that house if it's not this spring break sometime before the cure is found, and then once the cure is found, go back to see the flame no longer lit. Today, I'm thinking of Sir Banting and all the team members who helped discover insulin and make it accessible to those who needed it, and I'm reflecting on how grateful I am to live in a time where I can not only survive this, but advocate to make it better each and every day for myself and others living through this. So on this World Diabetes Day, take some time to be grateful for the innovations that we have and let that ignite the passion to continue finding more. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the history as much as I enjoyed looking into it. And if you would like to check out the resources I'm including below, I would highly recommend reading those and finding out some more information. I'm hoping to do more history-related or research-based episodes in the future. But until then, have a wonderful Diabetes Day, and I'll see you next time.